we're going to be wrapping up our series uh, this morning. Now, we, we have Pastor Wayne coming in, and, uh, but I, I'm excited to kind of put some capstones on these things. We're talking about uh, how do we hear from God? You know, I've had some questions about the banner outside, and they go, well, that, that's kind of a, a dramatic statement. Well, of course it is, right? But this is, it's a common one I hear, right? I, I hear people who've been in church their entire lives who've said, honestly, if I were being 100% transparent, I'm not sure if I've ever heard God speak to me. And then often when they've heard uh, ministers or they've, they've read in books or in the Bible where, where people had visions or God spoke uh, audibly to them, they would say, I just don't think I'm ever going to get that. And so in this series, the biggest thing that I'm trying to unpack for you is that you have the ability to hear from God. Not just that. It's just that God is constantly speaking to you. He's speaking to you right now in this moment. You just are not tuned in yet. You haven't learned how to pay attention, how to listen to God. And so in this series, if, if you're just kind of, if it's your first Sunday with us, if you're, if you're online with us, um, just remember you have to go back and watch or listen to all the other sermons for this to make sense. So if you haven't heard these, I'm sorry. It might sound crazy to you, but we're going to try to wrap this up this morning. And so I want to start with something kind of interesting. I have a question for you guys. If I were to send you a text... Okay? And it had the word, okay. Okay. Would you understand what this meant? Everyone is so worried about trick questions with me. I'm not trying to trick you. Would you understand what this meant? Okay. How about the next one? Try again. What if I said this? Is there a different meaning between okay and okay? How about this next one? Okay. Now, hold on now. It's starting to get a little bit uncertain. If I'm texting you and you ask me a question and I say, K, is that different than okay? How about the next one? Oh, okay, period. These drive me crazy. Okay, now again, I'm a pastor. I also do some painting, so I'm often on my phone, you know, having to message people. And when I get answers like K, okay, I'm like, are they angry at me? Are they upset with me? Are they affirmative? Okay, sure. Or even better, how about this next one we've got over here? Okay. Uh, that's not going to work for me. We need some clarity. Give me a K, all right? Or even give me an okay period, but don't give me the dot, 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 right? What does that even mean? If you are a very tactful person, if you are very aware of, of social norms, uh, Nisa is the best at this, okay? When she texts you, she wants you to feel like a million bucks. She will text you this, okay. How about, how about the next one? Okay. It's an okay with a hug on the end. Like, high five, hug. I want you to know I am all in with you. It's not the K dot, 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 dot. Now, this is kind of silly, but I hope you guys are, are starting to pick up on this. There are ways to communicate. There are ways to, to understand things that get a little bit complex. Communication is not a simple thing, right? I probably get a K or an OK uh, probably 15 to 20 times a day on my, on my cell phone. And I'm trying to read and understand what that person means because, you know, what? the worst thing happens. If I don't know what the OK period means, I have to call them. And the Lord knows I don't want to do that. So I want to figure out what does that stinking period mean? And so I will go back and read the other, the other text messages, and I'll try to get a context. Now, have you ever been so worried about how someone felt about you? Anyone? Have you ever? Anyone? It was someone new you're meeting, a new boss. It was a client. It's a neighbor. Whoever it is. Um, you were so worried. How about this? A first date. Anybody a first date? Have you guys ever had a first date that went awful? Anybody? I wasn't staring at anybody. 
Have you ever had that experience? Right? You were so concerned with how this person felt about you. Have you ever found out that there's this person you said, okay, I just know they hate me. They were glaring at me, and when they texted me, they gave me the okay period. I knew they were just being a jerk. And then you found out this person thought you were the best thing ever. Have you ever experienced this? How about the inverse? I get this all the time. I walk up to someone at the church, hey, how was service? It was the best. You're a great preacher. And I find out what? That was not what they really thought, was it, right? Sometimes our perception right, of how people feel about us can be off. How would you feel if I told you that you live the majority of your life in your head, in your imagination? How about this? You all were just doing the meet and greet. Hopefully you guys were shaking hands, making eye contact, uh, hugging people, some people hugging way too long, right? You were reading every single thing that the people in this room were doing. Whether you are aware of it or not, you are constantly going to every person going, do you like me? How about you? Do you like me? Are you faking? Do you really like me? And you're going to every single person going, I think they do. I don't know. Oh, I know, I know that person hates me. She smiled way too big. She hates me. How about this? Uh, now, I'm, I'm not trying to pick, okay? But women are much better with nuance. How about that? Is that fair? It got real quiet. Is it fair to say that women communicate more without their words than men often? Anyone? Okay, no. It's a cultural thing, okay? It's not gender, it's culture, okay? Often, I will hear from women, I just can't stand women. Have you ever heard a woman say that? Please nod. I promise I'm not going to get myself in too much trouble. Okay. Have you ever heard people say, I just can't, I, I can't stand women. And you go, you is one. Anybody? Well, that sounds like a problem that, that you're going to have. If you can't stand women and you are, is, is, are in one. How about that? You have an issue, right? But it's always the same thing. Oh, man, I just know she doesn't like me. Why? Do you see the way that she made eye contact with me? Did, right? If a guy does that, you go, is your knee okay? Are you all right? If you read text threads between two dudes, okay, all right, fist pump. <laughs> between women, right? Exclamation marks everywhere, emojis all over the place, commas. I mean, it is like an explosion of expression, right? And again, truthfully, because they're trying to hide how they really feel, right? I love you, okay, exclamation, exclamation mark. Not really. Not really, right? There's so much that goes on between us that is in our heads. Well, the craziest thing about this is, is that when you have a perception of how someone feels about you, it changes the way that you, that you act around them. Um, have you ever, ever heard the, the phrase, perception is what? Perception is reality, right? Now, it's not entirely true, but there is some truth inside of this phrase. There's something that happens inside of you when you imagine, when you perceive the world is a certain way, you will act in that way. Have you been to a neighborhood that you were told is not very safe? Anybody? How about this? Have you pulled into a neighborhood and people didn't look like you? Whether the dress or color or the houses, how about this? If you go into a neighborhood where the houses are humongous and you go, I don't know if I should be here. And my Prius, <laughs> I think I should back out slowly, right? There are places where you have no idea if it is a good or safe place at all, but your perception is shaping a certain type of reality for you. 
Your imagination says, no, 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 look at this. No one here is like you. Everyone's garage is bigger than your house. You should leave. Or if you flip it around, we've been to like a third world country before, and you walk by, and all of the homes are shanty boxes, right? We went to Jamaica for our uh, honeymoon, worst thing we ever did. I felt guilty the entire time. Okay, here's Jamaica. On the left is the beach and the huge resorts and walls and machine guns. On the right, extreme poverty. They're like, hey, just don't look over there. Have a great time. Swim, have a blast, just don't look over the fence and realize what's going on over there. We got real quiet. <laughs> there is an imagination. We have a perception. We begin to build a world based on what our mind is trying to figure out. Did you know even your eyesight is made up? Your eyes are only able to perceive around 60% of what you're seeing right now. Your brain is making up the rest of it. Did you even know that? Your eyes can only see certain angles, and your brain is recreating what it thinks is happening on the other side of those images, which you cannot see. You are living in an imaginary world. Truly, you are living in your own world. The majority of your life is spent in your imagination. Now, when you are spending time with people, the way you interact with them is completely based on who you imagine them to be. How does this person feel about me? What does this person want from me? Is this person safe? Is this person honest? How do you speak to someone who you believe is 100% honest? Everyone's like, I don't know anyone like that. <laughs> How do you speak to people who you know are not being honest? That's a nice way to put it. Completely different. Have you noticed your body changes? When you walk into a room with someone who you know doesn't like you, what's your body do? You get, you get tight, you get tense. You all, you all of a sudden begin to just, whew. have you been in a room with someone who you absolutely trusted? Your body relaxes, you get loose. It's all going on up here. Now, do you think that imagination stops when it comes to God? Do you think the way that you read the Bible, the way that you pray, the way you worship, whether you raise your hands or not, hey, I'll say it right, this, when you go into a, we'll say this, if your experience has always been in a Catholic church and you come into this room and you see people on the guitars and, and there's loud noise and a bass line, your imagination is going wild here. What are we supposed to do in this room? I have no idea. I see people with hands up. I see people clapping, yelling. If you spent your time at a Baptist church before you came here, right? People are very quiet. I need to tone it down a little bit. You have no idea if that's really what's expected, but that's what your mind is imagining. The majority of who you think God is, do you believe that is reality or do you believe that is imagination? The image, who God is, how God speaks to you, how He feels about you, what He thinks when He sees you, do you believe that is imagination, reality, or a marriage of maybe both? You live the majority of your life here, creating these possibilities. When you guys go to work, you are hardly spending your day doing work. You're spending the majority of your day trying to play out how things are going to happen. Well, if I do this and this is going to happen, well, I need to put this many hours here, or I need to get this job done, so this. You are doing the majority of your work here before you ever put your hands to anything. 
Who here has ever dated anyone? A human being. That's all I need to know. <laughs> Just leave it there. If it wasn't human, I don't need to know. Okay, great. Okay. <laughs> Did your interaction, the way you talked, the way you looked at them, the things that you would say, did these things change with time? No? That can be good or bad. I don't really know how to take that, right? Are, are people just not feeling honest today? Anybody? Okay. It's changed dramatically. Because the more experience you have with someone, your imagination of who they are is constantly being changed and transformed. And so when you begin to speak to God, when you think about God, one of the biggest things that we're trying to unlearn here is who God is. I want you to take all these things you've been taught about God and just pull them back a little bit. Because the majority of us feel like we have a very good idea who God is. I know who God is. I know who He is. I know it. Take the human being who you know the best. Who is that person? It's kind of in your mind. Who is that person who you know the most? You've had the most honest, in-depth, intimate conversations, experiences. You've trusted them. You've been hurt by them. You've been encouraged and healed by them. Who is that person who you know the best, inside and out? Who do you know the best? Have you had that much interaction? Have you had that much connection? Have you had those many hours of conversation with God? However much lifetime it took for you to build that understanding of who that person is, have you had that same amount of experience with God? Okay. Is there anyone here who's had more hours talking to God than you have talking to, say, your best friend or your spouse? Anybody? You're lying. Absolutely lying. And if not, your marriage is awful. We need to do counseling right now. Now, talking in your head is not necessarily talking to God. I mean, to, if you talk to you, okay, that's a whole other sermon. Lord have mercy. Pull back. Pull back. The answer is no, you haven't, okay? You have had more interaction with a human being than you have had with God. More. Far more. Your ability to have an understanding of who this person is, who you're sitting next to, or who, who you spend the most time with, you, you have had so much more opportunity. You have a better idea of who they are. And because of that, you're interacting with them in a much more authentic way. The majority of how we think about God has been formed and shaped through this imagination. Whether we're hearing stories in the Scriptures, whether it's a pastor sharing their own experiences, whether it's us being in a worship experience or a pastor handing us a word, whatever these things are, these things are all being added into your imagination. You are building this image of who God is. You're shaping this idea. The answer is not to get out of your imagination. It is impossible for you to live your life outside of your imagination. You use it constantly, nonstop. It's the majority of what, of what dictates the way that you live. You cannot get out of this. But what you need, what everyone in this room needs, is a healthier imagination. A better imagination of God. David, I don't like that language. I don't like the imagination. Okay, I got it. Well, here is a fact. Either there is one denomination, there's one teacher on the planet who is 100% right about everything. Actually, I'll just ask you, do you think it's possible? Do you think there's one Bible teacher, pastor, uh, church denomination who has everything about God right? 
Anybody? Dare you raise that hand? <laughs> Everyone's like, I do believe it, but I'm not raising my hand. If that is not true, if there is not one human teacher or human group who is absolutely right, then guess what? Everyone's wrong. I didn't say all wrong, but everyone's got something wrong. That means every single Christian on this planet, in some way, shape, or form, is interacting, singing to, praying to, thinking about a God that doesn't exist in some way, shape, or form. Because we all have something off. There is a part of who we all think God is that is just a little bit not right. How about this? Has your understanding of God changed at all since the moment you first believed that you became a Christian to now? Has it changed at all? If it hasn't, Lord, what have you been doing? Why do we read the Bible? To learn, to grow. Why do you pray? To learn, to grow. Why do you fast? Why do you give money? Why do you do any of these things? Because your understanding of God is not complete yet. Meaning part of it is wrong. You're growing into the fullness of God. You're not there yet. And you won't be. And so that means all of us have to start from this one assumption that part of who we think God is is made up. Part of it is right and part of it is wrong. So what that gives you freedom to do is this. If you know for a fact that everyone has something wrong about God, guess what? It gives you room now to grow. It gives you room to make mistakes. It gives you room to change your understanding of God. It gives you room to learn more, to ask questions more. It gives you room to actually start the journey with God. Whereas most of us grew up in churches that told us, no, 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 this is exactly who God is. Here's the starting point, and it's also the finish line. Just stay right here and don't ever grow, don't ever change, ever. Ever. Now, I have a, a two-year-old, a five-year-old, and a seven-year-old. The most frustrating thing my kids ever do with me is assume that they are done learning. Have you ever experienced this before? No, Dad, I know, because in my first grade class, so-and-so teacher told me, blah, 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 blah. And she's not in this room right now, thank you. <laughs> she's an amazing teacher, and she's absolutely right. She was teaching him, like, you know, addition. No, Dad, I know that this and this is this. Son, I can't even start to tell you how wrong you are. Woo. And, of course, he's, he's me. He's part of me, and I'm, so he, he's just going to argue with me, and I won't ever win. But I get that. But he has so much to learn. The worst thing you could ever do is believe that you're already there. You are not there yet. So guess what? Let's start the journey. If there's one thing I'm trying to do at this church every single time I'm here, is I'm trying to wake everyone up to say, hey, by the way, you haven't even started the journey yet. This is just the starting line. Why would you stop? Let's get moving. But we're never going to start moving if we always are convinced that this is it. This is all that there is. I'm telling you right now, there's no one in this room, including myself, who is even halfway there yet. Not even close. There's so much more to experience and to know God in this life than what we have experienced. And if that isn't a good thing to you, if that's not good news to you, that's also a problem for us. When I tell you that there is an ability to connect to God, to know God, to speak to God, to hear to God so much more than what you've had, that should be good news to you. 
And so if our issue is our imagination, if we have this wrong understanding, again, go back to that experience, right? I mean, I think often when you're dating someone, when you are like trying to get to know in-laws, has anyone experienced that, Joy? I have interesting in-laws, I'll just say that, right? <laughs> I didn't say which side, brother, I didn't say which side, no, I, okay, I'm, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll clarify. Their families, not these two, right, are interesting in their own ways, right? When you walk into those rooms, you want everyone to like you, and you go, I'm not saying which side is worse, I'm just saying they're interesting. I've got interesting sides as well, I'm in trouble, okay. <laughs> Amen. When you walk into those rooms, you are just constantly going, I don't, I, I don't know how to interact with this guy. We have nothing in common. How do, I, how, do I, how do I make this guy like me? How do I make this person, how do I make this person happy? How do we figure this, how do I connect to someone? How do we do this? This is what every one of you is experiencing with God. You are constantly trying to interpret, okay, is he happy with me? Is God mad at me? God takes me, okay, period. What does, that, what does that mean? Am I off? Did I miss something? I prayed and it was silent. What's, what's that mean? Something bad just happened to my family. We, we had someone get sick or, or they died or just lost a job. Does that mean that God's angry at me? Is it because I sinned? What happened here? How come this pastor says that God speaks to him every day and God didn't speak to me like that? Does that mean that he likes this person better? Do I need to pray more? Do I need to be in the Bible? What is happening? You have no idea how God feels about you. And it is creating this imagination, these worries, and you're playing out, well, I guess he, I, I just don't know. And every church in this town right now is worshiping according to who they think God is. Every single church in this area, including us, we're trying to make God happy. Well, I think he wants us to clap and jump up and down and get rowdy. I think he wants us to get like the, the tambourines out and the banners. That's why God hadn't shown up. He likes banners. I mean, whatever, right? We're all doing this game because we're all trying to figure out how does God feel about us? And there's a church down the road and they say, no, no, no. God's only happy when the Bible is taught perfectly. That's what makes God happy. Read the book right. No, no, no. He's happiest when we come in with the holy water. He's happiest when we get the bread and the juice going. He's happiest when we go into the community and we do outreach, we do events. We're all trying to figure out what does he want from us. The Scriptures, the primary basis of the Scriptures, the first reason that the Scriptures are important for Christians is the Scriptures are supposed to lay the foundation of our imagination of who God is. It's supposed to build the first images, the first ideas of who this God is and what this God feels about us. Now, I am very passionate about teaching the Bible correctly. Not because I believe that God will be mad at us or happy with us based on our teaching. Because I know that if I teach you the wrong story, if I teach you that God looks at you a certain way when He really isn't. Here's an example. Have you ever had that friend who's had like the worst advice ever? Anyone? Don't point at them. But have you ever had that friend who just had terrible advice? And so, like, you know, you're at high school, and I, for me, I always experienced high school. And I, I'd always be like, ah, I, I think that girl likes me. And he'd be like, no, man, she hates you, I promise. Oh, okay. I, I, okay, sure. You know, and obviously, they're completely off. You get the, that terrible person who's always going, no, 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 no. Here's what you should do. Completely off. 
Sometimes the way that we teach the Scriptures can be that awful friend with the worst advice ever. No, God's mad at you. He can't stand you. And guess what? The only way he'll ever be happy is if he beats his son up really bad and then he'll like you again. I don't know if that sounds right. Where is that story? I haven't read that one. No, no, see, in Genesis, the story goes, see, you weren't even there, but the first human was there, and the first human, like, ate this fruit, and now everyone's really in big trouble. (laughs) Sorry, God's mad at all of you forever, and there's no fixing it. I apologize. See, I want to start with the story in Genesis, because when you get the context right, when you understand what okay with exclamation marks means, It shapes how you read the rest of the text messages, right? See, in the first story that we ever get about who God is, we get this story that's built as, I would say this, there is a type of story called a creation story, right? Origins. Have you guys ever heard about any of the other origin stories like the Native Americans or the Mayans? They all had stories about how the world was made. Have you ever read any of those in school? Anybody that they get pretty crazy, like it's nuts, there's lots of sex and people eating people. Have you guys ever heard those? I'm not going to read them to you. I'm just saying, have you ever heard them? They're they're wild. They're crazy. Okay, like the Bible is very tame in this chapter of the book. Okay. But the Mesopotamian creation stories, they all have a certain order. There's a way that they're built. And the one kind of constant in all the stories is it starts with a God who's here. And it starts with a God who chooses to create this thing, this object of its attention, right? It's image bearer, if you would. And then it chooses, and then it always creates a temple, meaning here's God up here, here's the thing it makes, and there has to be a place where the God up here and the person meet. And we call that a temple, right? Now, interestingly, we still have this idea. Where does God show up on Sunday mornings? At Grace Church, (laughs) right now. In the temple, right? In the church building. Or if you're Jewish, back in the day, it was, a, it was a tent or it was the Ark of the Covenant. Whatever it was, the idea was that there has to be a place where that place, that being, and this being meet together, a temple. What's so beautiful about the creation story, but the way that our faith understands who God is, it says that what God chose to do was to create one temple to meet with his people, his creation, his idol, if you would. That's, the language is a little bit complex there. And that place was called earth. God did not make a temple that was a building. He didn't make a temple which was a, a tent or even a box. Man actually made all those things. The meeting place that God created for us with him, all the way in Genesis 1, is this rock that floats through space with water and heat and fruit and animals and sunrises and sunsets and breezes and beaches and mountaintops. This is that place. This is the temple. Now, here's a challenging question for you. How does God teach Adam and Eve to pray to him in Genesis 1 and 2? In the Garden of Eden, how is man supposed to pray to God? How does man connect to God? How does man jump the gap between us and God? How does man get there? Does anyone know? What is the formula? Do we close our eyes? How about clasping our hands? Do we kneel? Are there prayer beads? Is there music in the background? Is there a microphone? Does anyone know the answer? The answer is it's not there. 
There's no method of prayer. Here's why. There's no need to connect to someone you're already connected to. If this is the actual temple, if this is the place, which by the way, on Sundays we go to the place to connect to God, right? This is the place where heaven meets earth, right? We all go to the temple on Sunday mornings, correct? What happens when the temple is the place where you live? What happens when you live and breathe and eat and drink and marry and have kids and work and play in the temple? What if your entire life was always lived out in that place where God came to be with you? One of the biggest hurdles in your imagination of God is that you believe that there is a sacred or a holy or a a godly place of your life, whether it's Sundays or church or prayer closet or the Bible, and then you believe that there's the ordinary life. There's your work, there's your hobbies, there's Branson, which we all know that is God forsaken, okay? There's all those different things, right? (laughs) But what if I told you that they were the same? The majority of the Bible is, is very simple to you. It's humans missing the point. Why do we have sacred bread and juice on a Sunday morning? Is it because this is where God meets us? The ordinary bread and the ordinary juice teach us that God meets us in ordinary things. Baptism into ordinary tap water from Alma, Arkansas is to teach you that God is present in the ordinary water which covers the majority of this ball that we float on through space. The reason that we teach you to close your eyes and clasp your hands and pray to God is to help you focus to connect to the God that's there when your hands are open and your eyes are free. Yeah, that was backwards, but you get the idea. This verse floors me every time I read it. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. I hate this line and I love it. All things are yours. And a pastor would say, obviously the context there is he's talking about leaders. You should enjoy all leaders, right? It's not just Pastor Devin or whoever. Right, okay, sure. But he takes it somewhere else. And he says, okay, well, if it's Paul or Paul's or Cephas, that makes sense. Okay, stop there, Paul. That makes sense. Let's just stop right there. But he doesn't. He says, Paul... Or Apollos. He's saying, okay, all things are yours. You can learn about who God is from Paul or from Apollos or from Peter or from the world or from life or from death or from the present or from the future. All things are yours. What are you doing, Paul? You just ruined my life. The fight was over what? You know, who, who's your pastor? <laughs> right? And he goes, hey, if, if, if you want Pastor Devin, go ahead. If you want Stephen Furtick, you go for it. Joel Osteen, have at it. Or the world, or life. Whoa, I think, <laughs> switch categories. Okay. Or death, the present, the future. You've missed it the entire time. This is not the temple. This is not where God is. 
This is where we teach you that God is out there. This is where we teach you that God is at work and God is at home and God is at play and, and God is with the children and with your neighbor and God is in the heartbreak and the pain and the loss and God is in the highs and the lows and God's in the words and the silence and God is in all these places. Let me say this to you this morning. Yeah, as a, as a pastor, my prayer for you is that you realize, you experience how real this is. And I promise you this, for anyone in this room who ever experiences what I'm talking about right now, when you experience what life is like to be with God in all places, you will never go back. No book, no teacher, no pastor, no church, no group will ever be able to drag you back to confining God to these tiny little spaces. You will never be able to put God back in the building, to put Him back in the box, to put Him back in the pages. You'll never be able to lock God away again. Because once you experience it, you can never go back. All things are yours. Would you guys stay with me this morning? I encourage you again, if you have questions about things I'm talking about, I encourage you to go and hear the other sermons. We're stacking a cake here. We're taking ideas and building them each week. And again, you can always reach me. I know some of these things are very new and, and stretching ideas, and I always encourage you to reach out. So here we come again to the practice Christians have done for 2,000 years. The mistake we've made in 2,000 years is that some of us Christians have believed that God is only found in the bread and the juice. And the others of us, if you, if you grew up more Protestant, were taught that that's all bunky anyway, and God's not found in bread and juice. He's found in paper and pages in English. The King James. Amen. Hallelujah. This is not where it ends. This is where it begins. The Bible is our foundation. Starts our image, our picture of who God is. But it doesn't end there. It guides us as we continue to find God in new places and new ways. So as we come to the table this morning, the prayer is that we wouldn't end here. We wouldn't end on a Sunday morning in the church, but that this would just be the start. Every Sunday we come back and we have bread and juice. If I can find God a 99-cent bread and stale juice, I'm sure it's fresh, guys. I'm sure it's fresh. I can find God anywhere. <laughs> anywhere. In the song, in prayer, in tears and laughter, in my friends, even in my enemies. I can be with God. So, Father, the most ordinary thing, the most common thing all of us bring is pain. There's nothing weird or strange or different about pain. It's one thing we all have. And this morning as we come to the table, we bring the pain of our broken images of who you are. The parts of us that we don't believe that you are okay with, the things that where we believe that we're not good enough. You only speak to those types of people. We ask, Lord, that we would bring our pain, and I thank you, Lord, that you're going to meet us in Jesus' name.